And welcome to another episode of the Sartoria uh, Elite Podcast by Webster Style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I'm your host, Webster Style, the man, the voice, the fragrance, coming at you one more time. And thank you for joining me, and let's jump right into it with... Of course, the download. Now, this week's download is going to be somewhat familiar if you've been listening for a while. Uh, a few weeks ago, maybe about a month or two ago, I was on the beta for the game Back for Blood, which is the spiritual successor to the Left for Dead series. It is uh, done by the same creative team of Turtle Rock, I believe it is, and it is just published by a different publisher in this case Warner Brothers whereas the Left 4 Dead series was published by Valve well the much anticipated Back for Blood has now been released and I've played it and it is essentially everything I wanted much like when I talked about in the beta a lot of my concerns with the card system as well as the uh, copper system of actually purchasing upgrades rather than being given upgrades or just having those things laying and strewn around a safe room at the beginning of a level um, those things were all put aside there is more than enough copper to be had during the course of any level whereas you can pretty much buy anything you want to or anything you need at the beginning of a level in the safe house with the copper that you've obtained so that was really my biggest concern when I talked about the game way back when. Uh, just playing through it a couple hours multiplayer is, is just as fun, is just as sweet as playing Left 4 Dead. I really had a flashback back to what 2010, 2011 when Left 4 Dead 2 and playing up until the middle of the night uh, just on on the game talking with random people and having fun in this case it was uh, I was on a party with a friend and he was on with some blokes and it was actually a gentleman from England which is why I said blokes and he was playing up until the wee hours of the morning there and it was just really fun something that I haven't been able to just kick back and do in a very long time and Back for Blood is exactly everything I hoped it to be and I think that especially with the card system that is going to have a lot more depth than the Left 4 Dead series uh, it would be interesting to see what kind of DLC they roll out for this game as it goes along also how long is actually going to be on Game Pass I'm wondering because a lot of the day and date releases that end up on Game Pass uh, they tend to stay there for quite a while. Uh, for instance, MLB The Show uh, launched day and date on Game Pass, and it has been there the entire baseball season. I'm assuming that it will probably leave the service after the completion of the World Series. That would make sense to me. Um, also, oh, what was another game that uh, launched day and date in the Game Pass that was pretty popular? Uh, it escapes me at the moment, but they seem to last on the service for a while So I'm hoping that a good couple of months will be given to this game being on the game pass before it finally leaves Hey Streets of Rage 4 has been on game pass for like a year uh, So it's um it all depends on, on really the game, but I highly recommend uh, Left 4 Dead, excuse me, Back 4 Blood. That's how similar it is and that's that's the sort of feel it gives me I uh 
looked at World War Z to try to give me that Left 4 Dead feel. And while it has some very good multiplayer aspects, when you get into Back 4 Blood, it is essentially Left 4 Dead. It is the seriously the spiritual successor. It's really like it's really Left 4 Dead 3, just with a new coat of paint. And there's nothing wrong with that because players like myself have been clamoring for a sequel to Left 4 Dead for a very long time. And if Back 4 Blood is a sequel, we have been clamoring for, then we have definitely gotten everything that we asked for in this game thus far. I'll be looking forward to playing this game more and seeing what sort of depth the card system really gives you as well as the unlockable characters. Well, it's interesting to see once those are unlocked, are you given new, new and better attributes or is it all more of a cosmetic sort of feel with just different faces and different uh, uh, vocal tracks that are unlocked? Uh, it is a funny game though, I will say this much. The uh, comments by the characters, your, your character and the characters you play with are, are funny and are timely. And I haven't spent uh, hours and hours yet, but am interested to see as we go on how much of the audio was repeat i understand that they recorded hours hundreds of hours of audio for all of the playable characters so i'm interested to see you know if this really paid off to having uh, at least for a good amount of time a different experience where you're not hearing the same one-liners over and over again not that that's a very big deal to me but having good dialogue and even the time i played it thus far the uh timing as well just have really made the game that much more fun so that is my recommendation for the download back for blood i believe it runs uh, 59.99 across the platforms i'm not sure if there are specific uh, xbox series x s and playstation 5 versions of it but it's definitely out for the four and the xbox one platforms and is backwards compatible on all those systems so i definitely recommend it. if you are a fan of left 4 dead i definitely recommend buying this and or downloading on game pass you will not go wrong with this game so that's back for blood let's get into the short takes so first up is muppets haunted mansion now if you have uh ever listened to my podcast you know that i am and always will be a humongous fan of the Muppets there is something about the Muppets which just transcends age and it's such a magic and a wonder of the Muppets I've I've loved the Muppets since I was a child I still love the Muppets as a 40 plus year old man so I definitely uh, and it wasn't even me as far as family but we family got together and we watched Muppets uh, Haunted Mansion and I will say I was pleasantly surprised um, at the quality, I like the fact that it was a Gonzo-focused story. Uh, that's one of the things that I think with such a uh, ensemble cast of the Muppets, uh, one that has such depth of characters and history of those characters, that many stories tend to focus on Kermit. Uh, for instance, uh, with the Muppet movie that came out, not the Muppet movie, but the uh, the Muppets, the movie that came out from Disney a few years back. One of the things I liked about that is that Kermit was not the focus, and that it was that a discovery of the Muppets and a reintroduction. So I really loved that. Even with Muppets Most Wanted, the second film, I enjoyed it as well. Even though that was more of a Kermit-focused movie, 
but it was still one that was very funny and very enjoyable not as good as the Muppets but it still was very fun so Muppets uh, Haunted Mansion was a, a short film I think it's about an hour or so a special that I think it was very cool for Halloween it was very cool for kids of all ages and I really enjoy the Muppets I'm still kind of up in arms about Kermit's voice I'm trying to figure out because Brian Henson was a special guest on the show so I'm not sure if he came back to voice Kermit because I know he voiced Kermit for a while after his father's death uh, way back when but it still wasn't Steve Whitmere it's it it still wasn't right. They they really got to do something. Again, I'm someone who's heard many different iterations of Kermit, and for me to say something's not right says a lot. But there are a lot of youngsters don't know the difference, and you know what? That'll be absolutely fine. But for me, voice isn't quite right yet. But if you have Disney Plus, definitely I definitely recommend you watching it for the holiday season. If you're a Muppet fan, or even if you just got kids of all ages in the house, it's definitely fun. It's really one of the best. Muppet Properties has come out since Disney took it over uh, way back when. So that's Muppet Haunted Mansion. A quick take on La Brea Episode 3. Literally just finished it before recording. The most interesting character is uh, the, uh, and I forget his name, the psychologist, the black guy. There were some reservations last episode about him being sick. I pretty much called cancer. Sorry, spoilers. And yes, this episode was confirmed he has cancer. Uh, they threw a lot of different uh, interpersonal plot developments and also just I'm just tired of them having to face a dilemma of the week uh, so far. And every week has been some sort of dilemma. Uh, this week, the a giant landslot came in and ate up all their food. So it was this dilemma of going to find food. So many of those things seem very contrived. I will still say that all of the info info all of the drama that's going on in the present is so much more interesting than what's going on in 10,000 BC. I'll call it that for now. So that's my take on La Brea. I, I will say at this point, I will probably stick around for episode four. But I will say this is probably one, if you haven't started yet, wait to binge a couple of episodes. Because watching them one episode at a time kind of gets on my nerves. Uh, not so much of it's like, oh, I'm waiting to see what happens next. But... Like really, y'all did that? Like I'm waiting for the long game. Short, short bites of the series isn't good. I think this will, will probably be judged better as a season than it is will be interesting episodes. And looking at the uh, Rotten Tomato scores, neither critics nor audience like it. So who knows if it's gonna last the whole season? So that's my short take on La Brea. And the final episode short take review I'm gonna do is. Chucky episode one now child's play holds a very 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 big place in my heart as it is the first horror movie that I saw in the movie theater now I was 10 years old uh, the reasons as to how I was in the theater watching child's play with my sister and my little cousins well my little my cousins alone unchaperoned is a whole nother podcast but Suffice to say, we saw that movie, I saw that movie, and I absolutely loved it. Not seen horror movies before, but that, seeing that movie on the big screen really uh, made me fall in love with the series, and in many respects, horror as well. Now, I will say, I have not really uh, taken a liking to the movies after Child's Play 3. Now, I do uh, have uh, some warmth feelings about the uh the sort of black comedy 
direction that it took in Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky. And I still haven't gotten a chance to watch the uh, Curse of Chucky in the last movie. But I, I always like the, the sort of background of the series. And when they announced that they were doing an actual television series from Don Mancini, the creator, with Brad Deardorff, the voice of Chucky, a.k.a. Charles E. Ray, doing it. I jumped at the chance to see it. And unfortunately for me, though, I realized that in my cord-cutting efforts, there are a lot of channels I don't have in Sci-Fi as one. And also, it's not being streamed on either Hulu or Peacock, which makes no sense. Side note, they really need to get these streaming platforms together. I don't understand how Universal is not streaming a majority of the USA and the Sci-Fi stuff. As well as Paramount Plus, why is there BT Plus? Why isn't all of the why aren't all those shows on Paramount Plus? It doesn't make any sense to have two separate services, but that's another uh, another um, conversation for another time. So, fortunately though, USA they put the whole first episode on YouTube, so I watched that today and I enjoyed it. It got better as it went on. I'm looking forward to seeing how the story evolves. It's something I cannot say about La Brea. Um, I like how they set things up. You don't need a lot of backstory of the other movies to really understand Chucky. But one of the things I really am looking forward to learning in this series is about Charles Lee Ray. Now, I'll give you a bit of synopsis. It takes place in Hackensack, New Jersey, which is apparently Charles Lee Ray's hometown. And you see the Chucky doll appear or a Chucky doll appear or excuse me a good guy's doll appear in the town and it's Chucky and of course there are uh, madcap uh, craziness ensues slightly dumbed down because it is television you don't have the budget of a feature film but I thought it was very interesting in this premise of Chucky very much coming to the aid of this bullied underdog and even some revelations about the child or the teenager at the end just I really like what they're doing with that, uh, with him being bullied, losing his mom. Um, he is apparently dealing with his sexuality and bullied because of that. And you have this mass murderer, a serial killer, who transferred his soul into a doll uh, via voodoo, who is basically defending this kid, I, I find the whole premise fascinating, but you also are going to see flashbacks of Chucky and his family and his childhood and understanding how he got to be that way. So I'm really looking forward to that. So if you have not watched it, if you're a fan of the series and not a fan of the series, check out the Chucky uh, pilot or episode number one. It's on YouTube under the USA banner. So that's that for those short takes. Now, two short takes today I'm excited for. Halloween Kills comes out this weekend at the time of this recording. It is uh, 10-13-2021. It is the season of Halloween and Halloween Kills comes out this weekend and I'm still debating whether or not I'm going to pony up and pay for uh, one of the paid tiers of Peacock to see it or go to a theater. Probably Peacock. Let's be real. I am absolutely excited to watch this movie because Halloween 
was great. I, I don't know what Rob Zombie was thinking when he wants to do a remake, but that is how you redo or reintroduce a concept of a series. Now, mind you, I I was not a fan of any of the Halloween movies after Halloween 4. I saw Halloween H2O in the theater, and H2O um, Resurrection, the one with Buster Rhymes, and that was some garbage. That, that, that soured me on anything else Halloween um, until Halloween, uh, the reboot remake however you want to call it uh they came out a couple years ago so that was phenomenal so i'm looking forward to halloween kills this weekend also something else that i'm looking forward to and this is something i'm very curious about sci-fi is just hitting it out of the park this halloween season with original programming i'll get to other aspects of that later on in the podcast but they have uh, crafted a series entitled day of the dead which is based in the Romero universe and it happens it's not a sequel of the movie day of the dead but it's a movie or a series that takes place on the day that the dead come up or come back to earth and you see how people react. So it's again very much like a oh when it, when everything first starts how people react. And from what I understand as well, it's shot all in daylight. So it's none of the you know night jump scares or things of that nature when it comes to zombie movies. At least that's what I understand. So I am I'm looking forward to that. I think that they may be looking to draft another zombie series to really try to fill that niche of the walking dead which is a series i haven't watched in a long time i still kind of keep up with fear of the walking dead and i have no interest in uh the other spinoff that is out there uh personally speaking i really loved uh z nation was on I, I liked how that was a different take on the zombie genre and i'm hoping that day of the dead can give while not as zany as z nation a, a different take on the genre on the episodic uh, format of a zombie show I think that's something that's really missing because Z- Walking Dead and, it, and its spinoffs have a certain flair have a certain pacing in a way of telling a story in the world they've created and I think the data did has a real really good chance of doing something different to re-energize that, that format of um, horror television so those are my short takes. Now let's get into a recommendation for the season. I've gone quite long thus far, but let's talk about the quote-unquote classic Slumber Party Massacre. Now I watched this on Tubi, so it is available as of the 13th of October 2021, and it is for free. It is a uh, seminal 80s slasher it dates back to 1982 so this is uh, right after the the year after the original Friday the 13th I believe that was 81 so when with that success you saw all of these slasher films come out and Slumber Party Massacre is most known for the serial killer having a drill and I have never seen this movie or I never watched this movie until recently I'd always heard about it always seen bits and pieces on clip shows and um, sort of bad movie reviews but I never actually watched it and let me tell you it is so bad it's good it is so 80s slasher with the gratuitous nudity uh, for no good reason you know you sit there you're watching and I'm thinking do girls really shower naked like this they didn't do that back then do they really just have no qualms about getting addressed in front of each other ladies let me know because that's not something that dudes really do so i don't i've always wondered about that 
but it is it is it's just fun and it's just cheesy at the same it's so bad it's good and it's produced by roger corman who is uh very much king of the b movies b horror movies so if you're into horror movies slash horror movies from the 80s i definitely say watch it if you have not uh it is just uh the kills are gruesome but not well they're gory gruesome but not all it's it's a little cartoonish at times from the pacing to this the killer he's just he's weird um i think that to some degree with the uh, drill they were trying to kind of use that as a phallic representation at times especially with some of his comments at the end if that was the case they failed miserably if you want to see a movie where the killer has an object that is uh, psychologically speaking an extension of that phallus watch texas chainsaw massacre 2 that was brilliant that's a movie that i don't i understand why people hate it but it is it is brilliant from a psychological standpoint absolutely brilliant i love it but let me digress so I watched Texas, not Texas, uh, Slumber Party Massacre 1 uh, because I saw it then. I want to see it with 2. Sci-Fi Channel is doing a remake that's coming out on the 16th of October. So when this publishes the next day or tomorrow, uh, they will be doing a remake. And it looks very interesting. I can't wait to watch it. There's actually a review, a video review of it on um uh, the NRW channel, Nerds Rule the World. I'll leave the link in the show notes, which is a very, very good review of it if you're interested in it. So that's my movie of the season, Slumber Potter Massacre, the original from 1982. And by the time you see this or hear this, the remake will be out on Sci-Fi as well. So you can watch both, binge watch both and compare and let me know what you think. And with that, we're going to take a break and come back. We get a lot of goodies on the other end of the break. And we're back. Now, this week on the day that was formerly Christopher Columbus Day and is now affectionately known as Indigenous Peoples Day. Because how can you discover something when people already lived here? Just saying. It was also National Coming Out Day. Now, I talked about the whole revelation that Robin Tim Drake was bisexual. I expressed my points on it. I have no issues with the character itself being bisexual whatsoever. My whole premise was that for a character that has been around 30 years, for writers to change their character it just seems like they've run out of ideas and they run out of ideas and like oh let's make them buy and that's a way to inject new life and new stories into the character that is my issue with it i feel like it's a cheap way of not being creative it has nothing to do with tim drake itself or himself being bisexual I say that because DC Comics released images from New Superman number five, which has Superman kissing his 
boyfriend. And this got the internet's panties in a bunch. Especially those that didn't even take the time to read. Uh, this Superman is not Clark Kent, but it is Jonathan Kent, the son of Clark Kent or Lois Lane, who was introduced in 2015. And I believe that was around the new 52 era of uh, DC. And he has been aged up over the past few years. He is now a 17-year-old boy who has taken the mantle of Superman. Not Superboy, Superman. No issues there. Great. So he is bisexual. And people around the internet lost their ever-loving minds. Like, oh my goodness. Again, not even talking about how can they make Clark Kent gay and this and that and what about Lois and and and, and I'm like did y'all read did, did y'all do a, a little bit of research did y'all read the article hell did you read the tweet and that really upset me because it, it further shows me how people are very quick to judge and to make assessments without doing any even surface level research and reading but I saw a post online and I responded to it and I personally said I have no issue with this uh, because this goes exactly to my premise of why I dislike robbing or the exact opposite of my premise of why I dislike robbing being gay this character is relatively new he was introduced in 2015 is the character still evolving, growing? Who hell hasn't even been 17 more than eight for two or three years or whatnot? So this is a character they are still fleshing out, writing issue after issue, story after story, developing that character. And it is 2021. Why not? Why would this character? That's not why not, but. Why would be out of the ordinary in 2021 for this character to be bisexual? It wouldn't. And that is why I didn't understand, uh, outside of the ignorance, why people were so... There were so many people who expressed an issue. I think it's because it's Superman and they think of that Clark Kent, that sort of classic uh, viewpoint of Superman. I saw someone tweet out... Not tweet out... Uh, post on Instagram a, a tweet or something by the singer Tyrese in his comments and I just said this is clearly someone who hasn't read a comic in years for them to make the statement that they haven't I don't read Superman comics I haven't read Superman comics in God knows how long uh, personally speaking however I read and I do research when it comes to things just in general so that way I know more and it took two minutes if that to one read the article that was attached to whatever tweets went out with the picture of him kissing his boyfriend but also to go to wikipedia or something just find out who is this superman what's going on what happened it doesn't take that much time to do your research to understand a character and why maybe this character has been chosen by the writers and evolved into a bisexual 17 year old in 2021 uh yeah I mean, I totally see it as a way of, frankly, trying to engage a younger demographic because, let's be frank, comics, those that buy comics, frankly, look like me from an age demographic. Most of your people that buy comics are older men. And even in today's time, 
older white men. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. That's just demographic. Comic companies have to do or trying to do what they can to get a younger demographic into comic book shops, especially because comic books are not accessible like they were when I was a child. When I was a child, I can go into any Rite Aid, any drugstore, any 7-Eleven and go to a comics rack and get them. Now you have to go to comic book shops, except Walmart. And even Walmart is not a place you're going to to buy monthly issues of your favorite title. You are going to buy special collected issues that are designed for new readers to get in. And then once those readers get in, then they have to go and find a comic book shop. And depending on where you live, that's not exactly something that is right around the corner. So these companies, Marvel, DC, are doing their best to attract younger audiences by having characters that are more relatable i get it i totally understand sometimes you have debacles of that bs new warriors relaunch with all of those characters like snowflake i really feel like that was supposed to be satire i really do i don't think they did that seriously because that was just so abysmally horrible um from from a creative standpoint and no it is not directed toward me but as a reader of comics it just seems and as a creator myself that just seems something that was totally utterly stupid and that was such pandering um even to a degree like i talked about with robin nothing wrong with robin being bisexual it's very much just seems like they ran out of ideas for the character much like they did with iceman and the x-men i absolutely hated that because you literally had a character that was 40 plus years old at the time if not 50 and all of a sudden he's gay like did that just screamed hey we need to shake things up in the x-men let's make one of the original x-men gay and he didn't really know it now he has to come out the closet that's what it's that's what it comes across as now again that's my perspective i'm sure members of the lgbt community may not see it that way and and you know what that's perfectly fine. I'm not going to say their perspective was wrong because it isn't. Neither is mine. Just saying. But in this case, I detested the ignorance that I saw of people not even doing their due diligence to understand it's not even Clark Kent. It's not Clark Kent the Superman. It's his son. And a 30-second search would have showed them that before they wanted to get all the outrage and even uh, Dean Kane. And it's interesting because... Dean came as conservative as he is, as I do not agree with many things come out of his mouth. I read his quotes about what uh, his opinion on this Superman being bisexual. And his viewpoint is very much about if this is something that was done five, six seven years ago even ten years ago then in his opinion he can see it as some bold move or some brave move but in his opinion because it's done today he's like in his opinion it looks like it's jumping on the bandwagon I can understand his perspective I don't agree with his perspective but I totally understand why he would see it that way um, in today's era, especially from his conservative point of view. And again, I'm not saying his, his viewpoint is wrong. I'm just saying 
I understand it. But he didn't even come out of it of a place of ignorance, which I expected when I heard that he had a problem. He just said, hey, looks like they're jumping on the bandwagon. Looks like they're trying to grab a dollar by making them buy. He said it was, basically it's all about money and finding more people to buy their comics instead of real storytelling. And I get that. I get his perspective. In this case, I don't agree, but I, I get his perspective on that. And it was not an ignorance. I just, I really detest those that want to comment out of ignorance in this. But as far as Jonathan Kent being bisexual, I could care less, frankly speaking. Uh, as long as, and again, this isn't a book, a book that I read, so I wouldn't know. But good stories are good stories, regardless of what orientation sexually speaking the character is and that's all that really matters if the books are engaging if the books have readers continuously coming back then that's what matters not whether or not the main character screwing a dude or a girl and that's all I gotta say about that one and this is gonna be a weird segue but let's get into our fragrance of the week that's right folks and I have a new one I have one from the house of Tom Ford now Tom Ford I've never heard anything bad about a Tom Ford fragrance and this week I had the opportunity to try out uh, Nor Extreme by Tom Ford and it is a EDP Udu Parfum Concentration, so it's a pretty strong bad boy. So the scent is a sweet gourmand. So as if you remember from previous podcasts, so gourmand is a fragrance that smells very much like a food. So it's one of those ones that, um, you know, it's very, if you're a foodie, really likes it. But let me get into the notes. So you have top notes of mandarin, orange, neroli, saffron, cardamom, and nutmeg. And then middle notes of kofi, mastic, rose, jasmine, and orange blossom. And then you have base notes, base notes excuse me, of amber, sandalwood, and vanilla. Now, let me tell you, the opening is amazing. Uh, the the orange and the cardamom and the rolling and the saffron. Man, it is such a, I wouldn't say sweet and spicy, but you have that sweetness, brightness of the mandarin orange and all the spices there behind it. Man, it is so good. I was impressed, like, I don't know what, with that opening. And then you get down into the base note. And for me, um, the combination of that orange blossom and jasmine and rose, you really get a, a sweet it was very sweet to me. I didn't particularly love it, but I didn't hate that middle note either. And really how it worked out and mellowed over time. And then if you've been listening to this podcast before, you already know I like the bass note with, with vanilla, amber, and sandalwood. That was literally me. For this fragrance, personally, if I went straight from the top to the bass, I'd be perfectly fine. Um, no disrespect to the middle notes, but for me, it's all about the top and the bass. It is a above average performer. I I think I got about six hours um, on that. The projection, especially initially, is really, really great. Uh, it, this is one of those ones where I believe a uh, 30 ml was like $92. 
and a 60 ml not 100 ml is like 120 or something that way so it's it's not as much as the i believe it's the tom ford private collection which can go up as a 300 but it's definitely one that if you're in that price range i would say i would say they were this is one if you're in that price range that i would say pick up before some of the other ones it's 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 that good I was really shocked because Tom Ford's fragrances are always very hyped in the community and I've always heard very good things about them so I really went into it not not to go into the hype not to believe the hype of what I heard and everything I've heard about Tom Ford fragrances at least with New York Extreme is definitely true they're, they're all they are all true so this is when you're looking at a price point i definitely say and you you have a decision between this one and another one from another house say i would give this over uh dior sauvage any day personally speaking again i know that if you listen to this you know how i feel about dior sauvage but just in general as far as quality as far as the longevity as far as just being different you're not everybody's walking around wearing nor extreme either so that's one of those things that I really look into when I'm making decisions as far as fragrance to make sure that I am able to stand the bar because I don't want to smell like every other dude walking by. I don't want to smell like every other man. I want to smell like me. I want if someone smells me, they want to know that I smell like me and not their ex or their dad or something to that nature. So that's me. It may not be you, but it's definitely me. But the fragrance of the week is Noor Extreme by Tom Ford. And like I said, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Now, this has been another episode of the Sartorial and Geek Podcast by Webster Style. Of course, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I've been me, your host, Webster Style. And we actually got some comic talk into it today. Yeah, it's more social stuff. But hey, comics are comics regardless of what they are. Uh, a lot of big things are coming up. Hopefully, uh, we're going to have some more talk about comics in the future as we just got past uh, New York Comic Con and we have Baltimore Comic Con coming up. So we're looking to have more uh, info on things that have come out and maybe some special guests as well. If So thank you again for all of your time. Remember to find us on the Internet at uh, Webster Style and Satorial Geek on Instagram at Webster Style on Twitter at WebsterStyle.com for our men's website and also email us at info at WebsterStyleMagazine.com Again, thank you again for your time. Remember, stay safe out there and be blessed. Clothes on them legs yeah. and thighs Need to get strong, we can lift them to the sky The party starts at 12, yeah. we got a little time Time, hey. time, time to get hey. it on get And on. no fact, I'm the type of pussy on And after that, take a picture with the phone Of the outfit, omit, I'm choosing what we on Now it was Tree Green Tuesday Had to be Bowtie Thursday Had to be White Wednesday, uh, I don't Well, I know last time well, I wore polka dot. You didn't wear... Oh, Miss I Million, them heels killing them. But I'm sure it's a Thursday. Bowtie Thursday. Pasta cream in your heels looking sharp. Oh, thank you.